1: planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton.
2: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. It is a beautiful, stunning fall day here in New England, and um, actually, it doesn't really feel like fall because it's about 85 degrees outside, but I'm going to take it. It feels a little bit like I'm in Southern California, and that's not a bad thing. Um, While those of you who are regular listeners know, most of our content typically focuses on the almost 3,000 different four-year colleges and universities that are right here in the United States. But what you might not know is that there are lots and lots of options for advanced study in Canada as well. Um, In this week's show, we're going to be talking about the Canadian university system from both the admissions and finance side of things. We're going to talk about the differences uh, between our systems and their system uh, in terms of the admissions process, what to expect as a student, how much more maybe or less it might cost to attend um, the university there. Uh, we also have a really exciting offer for all of our getting in listeners that I'm going to share a little bit later on in the show. And we're going to continue with our series on helping you uh, navigate all the different prompts that are out there uh, to the extra essays that a lot of colleges are going to ask you to write. Um let's talk Canada first. So uh, I'm super excited because we are with us today to start the conversation is former Occidental and Marquette admissions officer and resident college coach uh, Canada expert, Steve Brennan. Hi, Steve. How are you?
0: Hi, Beth. Thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely. Uh, And before we get, well, not before we get started, but I think let's start at the beginning, uh, which is always a good place to start. And with the question of why Canada? Why look to Canada as a place to attend uh, college or university?
0: Sure. Um, Because you get to spell color with a U. Is that? (laughs) That works. There's there's lots (laughs) of great reasons. You know, the, the, the colleges in Canada are on the U.S. system. For the most part, which means that they're four-year undergraduate degrees. There are some exceptions in Quebec for those um, who are going to be studying in French. but the program matches. So you can go to Canada for an undergrad education and come back to the U.S. and step into a professional program, whether that's law or uh, you know a vet program, medical school. Um, they're affordable, they're predictable, they're accessible um, as far as admissions go. Most of them are pretty transparent about what they're looking for, and uh, there's a real breadth in terms of the kinds of colleges and universities that are there as well. In thinking about other reasons why, you know, beyond the undergraduate experience, the great quality of education, good quality of life, it's safe, a lot of kids want to have an international experience, but mm-hmm. maybe going to Scotland or South Africa or Australia or Singapore feels like uh, it's a little far, it's a little more adventurous, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Canada gives you that. International experience without maybe as much of the anxiety, without maybe as much of the uh, risk is the wrong word, but but it's just maybe a little easier to undertake. It's right there. Right. Um, most of the uh, language is going to be the same. A lot of the cultural pieces will be the same. It is different. There are some differences there for sure, um, but it's a good way to have an international experience without flying across the globe. And then the last thing I'd like to say is just that if you are thinking at all about immigrating to Canada. Going to school there is the best way to do it. Um, it really does streamline the immigration process for Immigration Canada. It, uh, on the uh, university's websites in Canada, they often have a link to Immigration Canada for specific programs that they give more points to in the process. So if you have family from Canada looking to move back or, or keeping your eye on that as perhaps an option, that's that's something to consider as well.
2: Oh, that's pretty interesting. I actually never even thought about that as an option. Uh, it's certainly not something that the United States colleges would ever advertise. So it's really interesting that's something that the Canadian colleges are doing. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the differences in the, in the system. Uh, from ours, as you mentioned, there are a lot of similarities. It isn't going to necessarily feel like a completely different experience. And yet, at the same time, it's my understanding that that some of the stuff is going to feel a little bit different.
0: What can you tell us about that? Sure, yeah, it, it it will. You know, you think about a university in the U.S. like Michigan, for example, you know, a big mm-hmm. public land-grant university. You walk around Michigan's campus, every student you ask could tell you that they're the Wolverines, that they're Maize and Blue, um, most of them will have some Michigan gear on. That's pretty rare at Canadian schools. Um, I saw one survey of people, uh, uh, one survey that was done on McGill's campus. McGill in Montreal is, is one mm-hmm. of Canada's best-known universities, and uh, four out of ten students knew the mascot. So it's, it's a very different...
1: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's different, know, isn't like it? That would yep. never happen
0: in an American nope. school. Even a school that de-emphasizes sports, that would never happen, right? So um, there's, there's that piece. I think that some... Some of the Canadian schools can feel a little bureaucratic, might be too strong, maybe feel a little impersonal. Some mm-hmm. of them are really big, and you need to be a good self-advocate. It's not a situation where there's uh, an academic advisor who's going to reach out to you as, perhaps as much as at an American college or university. So it might not be a great fit for a kid who's looking for more of a, you know, a, more of a nurturing environment, more of a… Right, uh, a hand-holding. Exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah. But okay. but there are some smaller and mid sized schools but generally speaking they are sort of um they, they don't have as much of that in local parentis. They don't have as much of that sense that, you know, they're there in place of the parents to look after the kids. It's it's uh you're kind of an adult. Here's the pool, jump in and uh a little bit of a sli- right. or swim.
2: Yeah, I mean, in, in that way, to me, it does feel more European in its focus. I, I know that my sense of the European colleges is, is it's a lot of that. You know, you're an adult, you're coming, you're doing your classes, and then you're going off into your own world. It isn't necessarily as much, there isn't as much focus around, um, and, and here, please correct me because I might be wrong, but around a campus life, around all of the things that seem to be so paramount of an importance here in the U.S., where... Football games on Saturdays, and um, you know, just all of the things like the Greek system and stuff like that, that. That's a little bit less likely to be found in Canadian universities.
0: For sure. No, that's exactly yeah. right. I think it is changing, which has been interesting. I don't know if it's the, uh, the expectations that millennials have now when they go to school that mm-hmm. there are some changes that we're seeing happening, but it's still nowhere near what it is in, in, in the U.S. along those, those pieces.
2: Gotcha. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the admissions process because there are some differences there, and uh, this is called getting in. So let's talk about how do you get
0: in to these schools? Sure, Um, and this is the thing as an admissions professional that I love the most about Canadian schools. Yep. You go to their website, you click on admissions, and it will tell you what you need for the different major. It's fantastic. Um, Now, all of them will have published GPA minimums and courses that are required to apply for that specific program. So, for example, um, just this morning I was looking at University of Alberta. For engineering, they expect, you know, uh, AP physics, AP math, and uh, 82% or higher for last year Um but you hear 82%, I'm, I'm sorry, I misread my handwriting, 85%. You hear 85% okay. and you think, you know, that's, that's really manageable. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: it is. Now, that gets you <laughs> eligible to be evaluated for that program, and they say clearly that just because you meet the minimums doesn't mean you'll get in, but most kids do, and it gives you some confidence that you're a reasonable candidate for admission there.
2: Right. It is, you know, from my perspective and what I've seen and certainly based on what you just said, a much more straightforward process. Right. You are going to have a good sense of your likelihood of getting in. And then assuming that you meet match up with what you think you do, you probably will get in, even though, like you say, there are no guarantees. So there's a lot less gray area. Um, So, right. To that end, are they asking about things like what do you do outside of the classroom and stuff like that?
0: No, it's it's a far more objective process. It doesn't have as much mm-hmm. of the subjectivity that the American process has. That I think is you know one of the hallmarks, one of the one of the great things about American schools, American colleges and universities, right? But it is very yep. different than the rest of the world, and yep. Canada is closer. Again, you know, you mentioned Europe um, uh, is closer to that model. It's not quite. India or some places in Asia where you take a test, you get a score, and here's a list of colleges you can go to, but Mm -hmm. it's not quite the U.S. either where, hey, your grades and scores are two pieces out of a lot of pieces that colleges and universities are looking at. So it is more predictable. They don't emphasize as much the extracurriculars, if at all. Yeah. Many colleges, many, I shouldn't say colleges. Now, that's one, one difference is that college in the Canadian context means a two-year school or a community college. It's not at the same level as a university. So that's one difference. But universities in Canada will, uh, in many cases, not even ask that. They might not ask for a personal statement, or the personal statement will be optional. And if they do ask for a personal statement, it's more likely to be related to what you want to do. Tell us why you want to study what you want to study and what your goals are not about who you are as a person or what kind of contribution you're going to make to their community.
2: Right, and I think this all goes along with the whole focus on you're admitting adults who are taking the next step in their lives and they're going to be preparing themselves for whatever they're going to do when they're done with university. And, you know, what you do outside of the classroom is really kind of your own business. And if we want you to write about something, we want it to be, tell us what you're going to study and what your goals are for this, um, rather than tell us about an event in your life that was really impactful to you. It is just a very different way of thinking about it. Um, you know, from that perspective, are there certain students that you tend to deal or I'm or, um, sorry, not deal, but you tend to um, suggest Canadian universities to?
0: For sure. Yeah, I think that some students who are really independent, who are go getters, who are outliers a little bit, um, you know, some students who are cost sensitive. And I know you're going to have uh, go into that depth a little bit more. But, you know, the cost for some of the Canadian schools, it's 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 shocking, you know, um, Waterloo University, uh, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorites, they are the number two higher education institution that gets recruited for Silicon Valley, behind wow. UC Berkeley, ahead of Stanford. Right? Isn't that crazy? Um, that is crazy. I need to start
2: telling people about that. <laughs> yeah,
0: they're twenty three thousand a year tuition, books, fees. Uh, I'm sorry, tuition and fees for an international kid. Um, their wow. computer engineering program. They say if you have an eighty eight percent average in your math and science courses and a 75% average in everything across the board, you're eligible to apply for that program. And those numbers are adjusted every year. So it's not that, you know, if you have an 88%, you're never going to get evaluated. Last year it was 86, and so it moves up a little bit. So if you have an 89, you, know, you might be a great candidate for them. You know, so um, I think that, you know, there are some real uh, diamonds in the rough in Canada for gotcha. sure, and I'm sorry or, I lost my train of thought. Did I answer your question, Beth?
2: No, you did. You did, which was just kind of around who you who you oh. sort of suggest take a look at Canada, and you know I think it sounds like first of all, hey, were you aware? So in some ways, it's an education um, process for us to help our students, um, and then also I know that for me, every once in a while, when I have a student who's just a good student, but really the outside of the classroom stuff has not been a major thing for them or they haven't really done much that's overly impressive, I will often steer them towards some of the more selective Canadian universities because it will have the name recognition that I know they crave, but they won't care as much about the stuff that the, the you know, very recognizable schools in this country
0: require. No, that's, and that's a great point. And, and many of the students that I've worked with who come from an international background, they might be American, but maybe, you know, they, were, they did high school in uh, Taiwan or Kazakhstan or whatever, given their family situation, they don't have those extracurriculars. They don't have that, um, that piece of the application. So Canadian schools can be a really nice fit for them, for sure.
2: Right. Right. Absolutely. So we have um, a little bit of time left. Let's talk about Great. some specific options. You mentioned Waterloo. Um, certainly McGill is very well known in New England and and a school that I hear bandied about. And in fact, my cousin just opted to attend McGill over um, Oxford uh, for the price reason, I think. I think he liked them both quite a bit, but uh, that's not an uncommon one. But what are some of the others that that families should know about and be thinking about?
0: Sure. Sure. You know, in the rankings that come out um, and listen, I'm not a big fan of rankings, but the (laughs) McGill or excuse me, um, McLean's magazine in Canada puts out an annual rankings issue and they they do a pretty good job of comparing oranges to oranges and really looking at uh, quantifiable data. And in their rankings, you know, Uh, it's interesting that McGill and Toronto are not always at the top of the table. And that's the same here. You know, you can find many rankings here that won't list Harvard, Yale and Princeton and Stanford at the top of the table, depending on what they're measuring and what they're looking at. But certainly McGill and Toronto are two schools. University of uh, Toronto um, is huge. It's got Mm -hmm. uh, 60,000 students all told undergraduate. Now that's on three different campuses, but that goes back to our earlier point about, you know, students being adults and it being a little more of a hands-off educational process. Um, Toronto and McGill are the two that people think about a lot. But there's also, you know, for folks who are interested in specific programs like um, petroleum engineering, University of Alberta has a world-class program in that. If some folks want the Pacific Northwest lifestyle in a really diverse setting, I think about UBC, University of British Columbia there in Vancouver, their campus, are you kidding? It's right on the edge of the uh, Pacific there. It's right on the Sound, beautiful campus, very Sylvan. Lots of trees, as you would expect from oh, UBC. Sounds, yeah, sounds beautiful. It is. It is. Now, that's another big one. It's got 30,000 students, um, but uh, many students uh, find that attractive. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of the scale, you've got, you know, University of uh, Prince Edward Isle, which is small, um, about uh, 7,000 undergraduate students. So still, you know, mid-size, 12,000 a year for international students.
3: Wow. And they have
0: some really unique programs in um, PreVet and the pre professional areas and it's quiet. It, you know, you're on an island in eastern Canada and it's it might be gray and, and cold and quiet, but for the right kind of kid it can be an awesome fit. So a real, real mix, I guess, is the takeaway of, of the different kinds of colleges and universities to explore.
2: Great. Uh, Are there any resources that you recommend for families who are sort of listening and intrigued by the idea and want to kind of take a look at what the options are for themselves?
0: For sure. Um, I think, you know, it depends on how deeply you want to go. I think the first place to start is University Study, uh, Universities Canada, and their website is universitystudy.ca. Gotcha. All one word, universitystudy.ca. That's a great website. You can search by major, you can search by size, by province, um, find out where the different programs are. Uh, you can see very quickly some costs and information like that. Um, if you want to go more deeply, you can order online from their website a printed guide. And You can't or- <laughs> actually it's a download a PDF form, print it, fill it out, and fax it in. So it's a little clunky, but that's more information than you'd ever want to know about the Canadian <laughs> universities. And the third thing I'd like to point folks to is the annual McLean's publication that comes out in October, usually towards the end of October, that does the rankings, but it does a lot more than that. It gives you a thumbnail sketch of all the colleges. It's, more, it's, it's like a combination of the U.S. News and World Report rankings and like the Fisk Guide or the Insider's Guide, where they gotcha. go on campuses, they interview students, they, they get a sense for what campus life is like, as well as all the statistics about popular majors and, and size and cost and that kind of thing
2: awesome those sound like uh wonderful resources i hope people who are listening will access them uh don't go away when we come back we're going to be talking about the financial side of attending college in canada which steve mentioned uh, a few different pieces of that Uh, and i'm going to be sharing the details about our special getting in listener promotion so don't go away
4: Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Museums are great places to work and
2: wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum
3: Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
4: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
2: Welcome back. Uh, Before we get to our second segment on Canadian universities, I want to take a minute to announce our brand new getting in promotion. This is very exciting stuff. So uh, you want to listen up. Well, we're going to offer 10% off of our comprehensive Premier and Elite packages. So we have a few different packages um, available to our clients, and um, we're going to offer 10% off of one or the other. So you would choose. Uh, it's exclusively for getting in listeners, so the uh, you want to take advantage of the offer. You should visit uh, getintocollege.com forward slash Fall. So that's getintocollege.com forward slash fall. And you can either complete the form there or you can call us at 877-842-1549 um, and mention that you're a getting in listener in order to get the promotion. It's going to expire on Wednesday, September 30th. So you essentially have two weeks to take advantage of this offer. So if you're interested, make that call or get onto that website really soon. Okay, back to Canada. As I promised at the beginning of the show, we aren't just talking about getting into and attending Canadian universities. We want to help you understand how you're going to pay for it because obviously that is a major concern uh, for most people. So here to walk us through that piece is college coach finance expert and former Anna Maria and Becker College financial aid officer and it seems like weekly <laughs> finance, <laughs> college finance expert guest, Lori Peltier. Hi, Lori. How are you? Uh, Hi, Beth. I'm fine. Thank you. I I think you've been on um, every week that I have hosted recently. So (laughs) anyway, nice to have you here. Um, Nice to be here. Good. So my first question for you, we kind of hit on in Steve's segment, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And that is one of the things that when I get asked questions about going to school in Canada, it is almost always from the perspective of, well, I've heard it's cheaper, so I'm interested in Canada. And I guess my first real question for you is, is that true or is that always true?
3: The way that I look at it is, a United States student has three price options in the U.S. They could go to their in-state public school for about twenty twenty-five thousand dollars 25000 per year for tuition, fees, and room and board. Or they could go to an out-of-state public school, another state's uh, public institution, for about thirty-five dollars to $45,000 per year. Or then there's a private college that's not getting any state funding. In the U.S., those range from about forty-five to $65,000 per year. So for a U.S. student to study in Canada, it's typically equal to the cost of an out-of-state public school. Okay. It's probably not going to be cheaper than your in-state public, especially Mm -hmm. when you factor in transportation and travel, but it is going to be cheaper than the private colleges that you have access to. Some of the Canadian schools are in, you know, Montreal and Toronto and things like that, so the room and board costs might be a little higher because of where they're located. Um, and then there's the transportation factor. Um, so you want to factor those in. Also, the tuition rates at Canadian colleges are governed by the Ministry of Education. And they really put limits on the increases that can be uh, added on each year, Mm -hmm. which means that if you are a student there, you won't have any big surprises during your four years because you'll know what um, the increases are going to be coming down the road.
0: No, that's
2: kind of exciting, certainly for planning purposes. Okay, so um, let's dig into it a little bit more. And one big question I know that and I was saying to you over the break that now my wheels are turning and I'm thinking about Canada for my 11-year-old, who obviously has a ways to go here. But when I think about how I'm going to pay for it, uh, one of my questions is, can you receive financial aid to attend a school in Canada?
3: And the answer is yes, 99% of the time, yes, you can. When you complete the FAFSA financial aid application, you can list Canadian schools if they have a U.S. federal school code, which 99% of them do. So most Canadian colleges are approved for federal financial aid. That means that a student can borrow the same federal student loan in Canada as they can in the U.S., there are a few restrictions on some other federal funds, federal programs like the Pell Grant and the Parent PLUS Loan. are The PLUS Loan is a school-by-school decision to participate, but getting the student loan is no problem for a U.S. student in Canada. Great. Okay, so that's good news.
2: And I do know that when Canadian students want to study here... They qualify for financial aid just like uh, an American citizen would qualify. So that doesn't Mm -hmm. surprise me that it's sort of a little reciprocal there. What about the question of um, students who are – a lot of students, when they go to college here in the United States, my stepson is one of them, they do work-study. They work um, while they're Mm -hmm. in college. Can you get a job if you are going to college in, if you're going to university in Canada, can you also work uh, when you have time?
3: Yes, yes you can. So it is possible to work while you study in Canada and as part of the study permit that a student needs to get in order to study in Canada, it allows them to work 20 hours a week on or off campus and the student can also work full time during their vacations. There's no waiting period to get this approval to be eligible to work. It's a great way for them to earn the extra money that they might need for those indirect expenses. And Mm -hmm. just like in the U.S., it's a great way to get that work experience, budgeting your money skills, meeting new people. Also, students uh, studying in Canada can do internships and co-ops. They call them work terms. And as part of their, um, could be part of their degree program, and they could earn credit and get paid at the same time. And wow. Once a so, student graduates from a mm-hmm. Canadian college, um, they can stay and work in Canada if they convert their study permit to a work permit, which is uh, eligible for three years after they graduate.
2: And it sounds like what Steve was saying in terms of that a lot of these universities will actually let you know, uh, you know how to go through the process of emigrating to Canada, that uh, they are pretty open to that idea of people coming and working and maybe even staying in Canada. So that's kind of interesting. Right. Uh, All right. So what about scholarships? That's certainly a big one too. Do they give out scholarships in Canada? Uh, If you have a a student who's a strong student with lots of extracurricular activities, is that something that they value in the scholarship process? We've already heard that they value it quite a bit less in the admissions process. Um, But what about scholarships and how do you look for that money there?
3: Well, the scholarships are uh, typically based on academics and other achievements, but mostly academics and less on leadership and other criteria. It is possible to get money from the individual institutions. Uh, each in- institution's own website would be your best resource for what they offer. For example, I did a little bit of digging into uh, McGill since it's so popular. Mm-hmm. They have a scholarship for $3,000 based on academic merit you need to have a 93% GPA, high SAT scores in the 700 range, or an ACT score of about 33 to be a good candidate for that scholarship. If you had a 95% GPA, you'd be, have a better chance of getting the scholarship from that university. Um, once you're a student at a Canadian school, you'd want to use your resources there to research it further within your own program. Um, There are other types of discounts in addition to merit scholarships for U.S. students. Sometimes if you live in neighboring states along the Canadian border, Mm -hmm. you may be able to get the home student rate for tuition or a lower international student rate, which can save you money. And again, you'd have to check each school's website for that type of um, discount or an admissions representative who works with U.S. students. Um, very few schools in Canada offer need-based aid, which is the opposite of the U.S. system. Yep. Most schools in the U.S. offer need-based aid and, you know, some don't offer merit. It seems to be kind of flipped there. Uh, if you see that a school offers a bursary grant, then this is a need-based program and you would have to fill out financial documentations to show that you qualify for a bursary grant. Uh, there is a website specific Two scholarships in Canada, and it's uh, scholarships.gc.ca. So it's a great resource uh, for families who are thinking of this and they want to do some preliminary searching of scholarships in Canada. Um, so scholarships.gc.ca.
2: Gotcha. Okay. What about if we have saved money or if parents have saved money in a 529? savings plan, can you still use this money to pay for college in Canada or a university in Canada?
3: Yes. Even though the 529 plan has uh, federal tax benefits in the U.S., if the Canadian school has a federal school code like we talked about for the mm-hmm. FAFSA form, then it can still be a tax-free withdrawal from your 529 plan to pay for educational expenses at a Canadian school. Um, Got you. Again, I would say 99% of the Canadian schools have a federal school code, meaning that the U.S. Department of Education in, in the, US, um, yeah, the U.S. Department of Education recognizes the school as a legitimate educational facility. Um, so you can withdraw and pay tuition fees and room and board, books and supplies uh, with your 529 plan money, and not pay any taxes on the growth on the account.
2: Great. Okay, so that's good news. Uh, And that's really, those are really the questions that I had. But what about other suggestions, resources, um, maybe that are available to students and parents who are looking to possibly pursue university in Canada versus here in the U.S.?
3: Well, I would say, you know, you need to look at this um, big picture of, you know, how much is it really going to cost? Even though the cost of tuition and fees might be less than a U.S. school, What about transportation? What about Mm -hmm. getting back and forth for vacations or if the family wants to go and visit? What about health insurance? Will your health insurance cover the student while they're in another country? Um, So so there are extra expenses that may be added on that may make the cost the same or higher than some of the U.S. schools that you're looking at. Um, The exchange rate and how much does it cost to wire money to your student while they're in Canada? So you just don't want to have any surprises Uh, when you think it's really going to be less in the long run. And just like in the U.S., you know, just because it's cheaper doesn't mean it's a good fit for your student. Um, Right. And just like in the U.S., not everyone gets into Harvard and not everyone gets into McGill. So just because it's cheaper doesn't mean that it's easier to get into.
2: Right, absolutely. Or I think really good point, just because it's cheaper doesn't make it right. As Steve and I talked Mm -hmm. a lot Um, in our segment or in his segment, you know, the fact is that they are really at more of these campuses than not the ideas you're coming in as an adult, really looking to take that next step in your life. And I'm not sure that's exactly the way the U.S. system works. And I know for sure it wouldn't be appropriate for some students, um, but there definitely are some for whom it would be appropriate. Um, Lori, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming and joining us again today um i know actually going to be back next week as well uh and i'll be telling people about that uh episode or that show uh towards the end of this one but i really appreciate you joining us and uh to our listeners don't go away because when you come back or when we come back we're going to be talking through the notre dame and michigan supplements so you're not going to want to miss that one
4: Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. You count.
1: Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation.
2: As promised, we're going to continue this series that we've been doing now for the past few weeks and actually that we've started probably a while ago, earlier in the summer, talking about essays, right? The common application prompts, the UC prompts. Uh, I talked uh, oh, two weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. I can't even remember now. I think it was last week to Karen Spencer about the Wake Forest Supplement. Um, we're just trying to get to as many of these as possible. And today we're talking about Notre Dame and the University of Michigan. And with me to talk through how we encourage students to approach these is Notre Dame alum, former Barnard College admissions officer and co- current college coach educator Kara Courtois. Hi, Kara. Hey, how are you, Beth? I'm good, thanks, and thank you so much for being here. And um, courtesy of your wonderful alma mater, we have a lot of prompts to get through. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to jump right in. Uh, interestingly enough, this year, um, so the, for those listeners who aren't aware, who are maybe going through this process for the very first time, colleges sometimes stay, stick with the exact same um, supplement. Year over year, Michigan, I would point to you right now, they have generally asked the same (laughs) questions every single year. Um, Notre Dame switched it up a little bit this year because they are now requiring uh, one question, which used to be an option before. Uh, and actually, we're not even going to talk about it that much, uh, because we did a segment a few months ago on the Why This College essay, and and Notre Dame's required prompt that everybody needs to respond to is, what excites you about attending Notre Dame? Uh, and so, I don't know, Kara, if these look anything like they did when you applied to Notre Dame. Um, I won't say way back when, because it couldn't possibly have been all that long ago, but did you have to answer this question? <laughs> so is this fine. new?
5: <laughs> yeah, well, what, you know, and I was looking at this year's comps. It, oh, it feels almost identical, but mm-hmm. of course, that was back when we hand-typed the application using Whiteout and all that great stuff back yep. in the dark ages. But I do remember um, a similar question, and it was, you know, it was really, I remember one piece of it that I loved about it was it gave me a chance to explain in my mind, like, why would I want to go to a Catholic school having gone to a public school my whole life, which I don't, you know, I often talk with students about because I think that's a different lens through which some people look at Notre Dame. Um, I know the greater world sort of knows that piece, but sometimes in the high school mind, it's, you know, it's about ranking and it's about the rah-rah football and, you know, how great is their business program and how pretty is the campus. So as every other why this, college speaker would say, you know, get past all of the things that they can assume. And I remember at least writing at some point in my application about actually getting to go to a mass. My brother was there actually as a student and getting to go and sit in a chapel while all the his friends were and classmates were sitting in their pajamas and they were at, you know, a mass and the priest was passing around the Eucharist and It was really profound for me who I had gone to a public school, had grown up sort of Catholic and um, much to my mom's chagrin, really didn't necessarily know why I was Catholic at that point. And that's actually actually what made me want to go there. And what made me excited was how relaxed and communal everything was and really how students led everything. So, you know, for me, I think what excites you about sometimes I would just encourage a student. Always, you know, go right past the things they can assume, anything to do typically with sort of the sports, tailgaters, etc. And then get into just one piece, really, that you can develop as an example. Um, or, you know, maybe a couple pieces that represent your personality. But you can have a lot of fun with that.
2: And to be clear, I, I just want our listeners to take away that you're talking about not paying attention to the obvious things, like you said, go past the obvious, get to what is really important to you. You're not saying that you have to write about the c- Catholic nature of Notre Dame. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's about what is appealing to, about the school to you. And in fact, you certainly don't even have to be Catholic, uh, to want to attend Notre Dame and to be a student at Notre Dame. So, um,
5: Absolutely. just something to throw yeah, out there. Okay. I think, You know, for a student who isn't a Catholic, that can be a great opportunity to sort of explain their thinking around it or what they're, Mm -hmm. you know, suggesting that they're contributing to the campus. could be a really unique, you know, opportunity to highlight that. But that may not genuinely be the piece that excites them. So, you know, just trying to get to the the genuine, as long as it's not like a majority of students' first drafts that I've read over the years which is I love the spirit <laughs> no, and
2: I love the <laughs> I want to go to the fighting Irish football games. Exactly. I want right? to step off at the dome. Okay, great. So does everybody. Let's go on. Right. So yeah, Just like all those people want to go to Duke and pack Cameron and cheer for Anything. Krzyzewski. Don't yep. do it. Okay. So that's the essay that you have to write. And I think key there is what excites you and try to be a little bit more unique. Don't pick what excites everybody. Uh, the next Uh, piece requires students to write two additional essays, but they are relatively short. So they recommend that they be about 150 words and they can't exceed 200 words. So we're really talking about a paragraph here each. And um, students are offered five options. They have to select two. So let's start with the first one. Uh, Reverend Theodore Hesburgh, President Emeritus of the University of Notre Dame, served as a trusted advisor to U.S. presidents and popes, a champion for human rights. Father Hesburgh was one of the architects of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which outlawed discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. Reflect on the current state of civil rights, the progress that has been made, or the problems still faced today. Any advice you would have for a student thinking about that one?
5: Yeah, I mean, my first reaction when I read it was, wow, but mm-hmm. I, was, I was really not surprised to see it on there um, since Father Hesper just passed away this past year, and um, he was such an integral part of the campus and still is today. So, I mean, I really would encourage a student, if, you know, really only to choose that question if it makes sense in the experiences that they've had thus far. You know, that's. Mm -hmm. I would not encourage a student to approach it more from writing as if it's a history paper, and you know, regurgitating real facts, but always synthesizing it into their personal experience. Um, Whether it's you know, in the classroom of their school, in their community, what they've seen happen to other students, perhaps, or you know, maybe an issue that they have tackled in some part of their life. Um, but to, you know, it's really for the student where that's important and they would be excited by that question. That's when they know it's the right one to write about.
2: Yes, I would, I would second that. Um, it really does. You never want to lose sight of the fact that this is a personal essay. You're trying to share something important about yourself with the committee. This is not the place to write a history paper about the state of civil rights, um, in this country today. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, the next option what question fascinates you? And tell us why. <laughs> what are some things to think about here?
5: Yeah, I mean, I would always also say to a student, you know, that's one, that's a good example of why you don't want to start your supplements, you know, the night before. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's that yeah. one where you, you want to look at that one, you want to walk away. You probably want to ask some people that know you well, you know, let's talk about that, whether it's the dinner table or at track practice. Or with your favorite teacher, but really just to to hash through that and carry it with you, you know, for a couple of weeks even. um, Because it's not a long response, but it's really once you know what you want to write about, you might have a list of three to five things and kind of want to narrow it down. Um, So, you know, I think the biggest advice I'd have for any student is, you know, just the common reminder of there isn't one right question and to really encourage them not to think that they're writing for what the admissions counselors might want to read, because you can never assume what they're thinking. And just um, most importantly, I would say, once you state that question, make sure that you support it with the why um, in a thoughtful way.
2: And don't forget to state the question. Uh, I've seen students do (laughs) that where I'm reading it and I'm saying, well, what question are you answering? Because I don't see it here. So you need to tell them what the question is, right? Right. Um, Yep. And I think again, really steer clear of the big sweeping things where you're not really being personal. So, if the question that fascinates you is what is the meaning of life, right. uh, okay, but I'm not sure that I would encourage you to do that because to me that feels right. a little too big um, yep. to be tackled yep. in one hundred fifty words. words. <laughs> exactly, yep. exactly. Um, on a similar, for me, the next question feels similar uh, to the in In some ways, to the two we just talked about, um, in the mm-hmm. need to stay more personal, and that is what's broken and how would you fix it? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. what are What are some things you've advised students on that one?
5: Well, I honestly, I'd say, I mean, it's not that far into the year yet, so I haven't gotten too many direct experiences with that question. Mm-hmm. But immediately, I can, you know, just envision over the years knowing that some students are immediately going to think of something. You know, I think that's a gut reaction question. Yep. You, mm-hmm. Whether it's a student who, you know, has undone their family computer in the garage and put it back together, so it's a literal, you know, actual object that they've. Broken or someone has broken and they put it back together, or, you know, the, the student who's more into psychology and sociology and just sort of thinking from the heart, um, you know, might go in that direction. So, you know, most importantly is hopefully it doesn't overlap with something maybe they've already said in their Common App essay. And, right. you know, are seeing this. I always see these questions as a conversation, you know, about themselves that allows the reader to feel as if they're sitting down to dinner with them for, you know, uh, a period of time and, and learn what's important to them.
2: Right. Exactly. So again, think personal, think small, don't think, you know, race relations in this country are broken and right. here's how I want to fix them. Unless that's right. truly something that's really important to you and that you have right. some personal experience that you're going to share um, yes. when it comes to that. Okay. Moving on. blessed, is it Basil or Basil? Basil. I think it's mm-hmm. Basil. Yeah. Okay, Basil Moreau, the founder of the Congregation of Holy Cross, described education as, quote, the art of helping young people to completeness. How are you
5: incomplete? It's a good one. I like mm. this one. I love that one. But, you know, we're probably more humanities-type people. Um, and I, right. I, I immediately think, oh, the students who are starting to love philosophy and, you know, starting to experience that maybe in a discussion class in high school are probably going to love to play with that one. But again, you know, it may not be right or wrong. I could also see some math students, you know, being able to respond to that, um, you know, whether it's they haven't achieved a certain level of, you know, in a math competition and they keep mm-hmm. going after that. Um, that could be their definition of complete. There's so many ways to go with that. And I, I do think that there's always a spirit of, in these questions this year, trying to get to a little bit of the spirituality of a student, not necessarily the religion at all, really Mm -hmm. just, you know, more about how you think beyond just the classroom and, and in some ways imply how you are in the dorm room and that, you know, as a friend, as a person on campus and how you'll contribute.
2: Right. Okay, so that that one seems to me like a good one that will at least direct students to be more personal. And then the last one, which I think also will direct students to be more personal, hopefully anyway, is identify Mm -hmm. a recent Facebook post, tweet, text, Instagram photo, snap, blog post, or WeChat post of yours. Of yours, that's key. What does it reveal about you and your digital footprint? That's an interesting one.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, for me, it probably... When I think about it, only maybe two sections there really appeal to me or two options there. But mm-hmm. for other students, they'll probably, you know, really wrestle with what's best. And I think, again, it's one of those don't write as if, you know, you're trying to please someone. But keep in mind, you know, there's certainly readers actually have access to, you know, your digital footprint and Can look things up, and maybe this is my reminder that I can insert here, you know, for students Uh to really, you know, be aware of what's on their Facebook page, not just what they've put, you know, but maybe others, um, and to choose accordingly, you know, something that they think is thoughtful and might represent them. Or maybe it's a, you know, oftentimes this could be a really great place for a student to show their humor and, you know, the way that they express themselves in a humorous way. Mm-hmm. but they have to know that the reader on the other side, you know, may not get it. And so, you know, being prepared to have some other people look at that and see what they, you know, if they understand it, especially someone that might be 10 years older than the student who's actually writing it, just to check right. in, does this make sense?
2: Yeah, exactly. Does this make sense? Am I presenting myself in, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be serious, but am I presenting right. myself appropriately, right? Exactly. There is. yep. There's you don't always have to be serious, but you certainly always have to be appropriate. And I'm going to second your plug. If you have, if your most recent post on your Facebook page was of you with some red Solo cups at an uh, unsanctioned party, a, take it down. B, don't do that. You certainly don't want to get busted doing that right as you're about to apply to college. Uh, mm-hmm. And C, don't write about it. So uh, that those are some things you want to stay away, steer clear of. All right, Definitely. we are. Um, we are getting close to our time so I want to hop on to Michigan and I don't want to give Michigan short shrift I will mm-hmm. say that the second required essay so Michigan requires three um, one is short and two are a little bit longer but one of them essay number two uh, is essentially asking you why Michigan and it's a little different than the Notre Dame what excites you because they're really looking to understand what do you want to study at Michigan and why do you want to study that here they want to help they want you you to help them understand how you're going to take advantage of the school. If you want more information about the why this college essays, head to our archives. We did a great segment on that a couple of months ago um, and take a listen to that. So let's talk about the ones that are here. Uh, The first is if you could only do one of the activities you have listed in the activity section of your common application, which one would you
5: keep doing and why? Yeah, I think this one's just so straightforward and that there's Mm -hmm. no you know, real trick to this, the real trick and challenge is going to be to get it down to 100 words and, you know, be able to say anything of substance that maybe isn't already said on the Common App. So, you know, I would encourage students just keep it simple. And again, look for an opportunity that maybe isn't overlapping with what you wrote in the Common App essay or maybe isn't quite as obvious um, as, you know, a sport. Maybe it's, you know, ultimately highlighting, something else that didn't quite come out, such as just general activism. You know, if you've done a fair amount of volunteer work, um, just something that you can perhaps highlight that you want to emphasize because it's genuine to your personality.
2: Right, exactly. And I think the key there is um, it's still an essay. You still want to be interesting and engaging, but don't try to write everything about that activity. Try to narrow it down, tell the reader something important. All right, very quickly, we literally have about one minute left for the last Mm -hmm. one. Um, And this one is also required, and this is everyone belongs to many different communities and or groups defined by, among other things, shared geography, religion, ethnicity, income, cuisine, interest, race, ideology, or intellectual heritage. Choose one of the communities to which you belong and describe that community and your place within it. Any quick tips for this one, which is very similar to one of the UC um, application essays?
5: Yeah, and my quick tip is just to be respectful of the actual question because there's a lot in there and there's a lot of options. And I recently read one that really didn't take the question seriously and, you know, sort of in a kind of kitschy way was trying to be cute and I thought, oh, no, 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 I had a real guttural reaction to it of, I feel like you're not respecting the, the fact that you're going to college because you want to learn and be challenged, but the, just the wording is so um, specific in this question, so just be respectful of that would be my best advice, and choose right. a community that you're genuinely, you know, proud to be a part of and contribute to.
2: Right, and think smaller, and uh, to your point, you know, and also pick one. Don't write about them all. Kara, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Thanks to all my guests today. Before we go, I do want to talk about next week's show. Um, If you've ever wondered what holistic admissions means or what really happens around the selection committee table in a college admissions office, you do not want to miss next week. Um, These are terms that are thrown around a lot, and we're going to really dig into them. My colleagues, Ian Fisher, Becky Lightling, and uh, Lori Peltier... Peltier, who was here today, are going to talk you through a mock admissions session via some case studies that we've put together to offer some insight into some of the ins and outs of the process at the more selective level. They're going to look at admissions and they're going to look at the role that financial aid can play in the selection process. Um, This is a really rare opportunity to peek behind the curtain with people who've done this work, uh, and I hope you'll take advantage of it. Don't forget about our special offer for getting in listeners, 10% off of our uh, premier and elite packages. You need to visit getintocollege.com forward slash fall and complete the form or call us at 877-842-1549, sorry, 877-842-1549 and mention that you're a getting in listener. Um, and the offer expires on September 30th, so you want to act quickly. Finally, as a reminder, every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website and available for free uh, as a download from iTunes but if you do want to listen live we're here every Thursday at 4 1 p.m. Pacific
1: Thank you for tuning in to Getting In A College Coach Conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel Have a good week